Today we're starting a new series called New Year, New Life. This is a new year, and it's time to experience new life, the life that God has for us through Jesus. When we talk about that, even in things like our mission statement as a church, it's so important to know the mission of your church when you're part of a church, because it shapes your mindset for everything you do. When you came into our campus in the lobby, there's these giant words on the wall that state very clearly and plainly for everyone to see our mission statement statement as a church. Everything we do is so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. Like, Ryan, why are we doing that thing? It's right there on the wall so that people far from God can experience new life in Jesus. What greater purpose is there? Now, I want to clear up a little misconception that sometimes it'll pop up in people's minds. They ask a question they just don't know or they mean well. Um, Sometimes people will misinterpret that statement to think that our church is all about evangelism and just helping lost people get saved. But that would be a misunderstanding of what it means to experience new life in Jesus. Notice that statement. It didn't say so that people far from God can be born again. And that's it. We're glad they got into heaven. Now, now that's a huge part of our mission. We want to proclaim the good news. We want to tell people about Jesus. But experiencing new life is not the same as initially receiving new life. Like when you receive a gift, that's a great moment. You received the gift, but you don't get to enjoy that gift to its fullest potential until you unpack it and start using it in your life. That's the difference between evangelism and discipleship, being saved and actually following Jesus, experiencing everything that he has for you. Jesus didn't come into this world just so that you could get into heaven, but so that even now, you could begin experiencing new life through him. That involves taking your next steps, growing closer to God. And guess what? As you grow closer to the Lord and become more like Jesus, you'll find that the more you become like Jesus, the more you will like your life. The more you'll like yourself, because Jesus is awesome. So the more you start to look like him, the better everything will look in your life. So New Year, It's a new life, and in this series, over the next several weeks, we want to help you encounter God in a new way. Don't you think that sounds good? Encountering God in a new way? Well, I want to talk about the old way and the new way. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It says, The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death, though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. What's that talking about? When he received the Ten Commandments. For his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way, which makes us right with God? In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? This new way, which remains forever. And then it goes on to say in the next verse... Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And this is a verse that God has placed on my heart to be the verse for our church this year. Since we have such a hope, 
we are very bold. This word bold was highlighted in my heart as I read this in scripture that the Holy Spirit was saying, this is the word for generation. This is the focus for Generation Church this year in 2019, the word bold. The title of this message is bold. God wants you to be bold. The new life that you have experienced in Jesus is the bold life. It's a bold life. And sometimes people, they want to be bold, but it's hard for them. Some people aren't naturally outspoken. They're not naturally outgoing. They say, you know, I want to be bold, but I'm always so shy. I never speak up even when I know I should. And I just kind of hide in the corner like, excuse me, excuse me, never mind. (laughs) So how can I be bold? Well, first you have to understand your hope. That verse said, since we have such a hope. We are very bold. What's our hope based on? It's based on the fact that we have changed paths. We are no longer going the old way. We are now going the new way. And we read about the difference in that passage. The old way was God giving the law to his people through Moses, the Ten Commandments, which were highlighting God's standard of perfection, a standard that we could never meet. So in the old way, mankind, men and women, would try to do good in order to try and achieve the standard that God had set through his law. They would do good, they would sacrifice, they would worship, they would help their neighbor, all trying to be good enough to meet God. God's standard. The thing is, they could never do it. They always came up short, which served to highlight their inadequacies. This does not lead to boldness, knowing that no matter what you do, you'll always come up short. But the new way is so different, isn't it? The new way tells us that Jesus came into this world. He lived the perfect life that we could not live Then he still died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and made right through him. Through the Holy Spirit, we receive life, something we could never earn, and we are adopted into God's family, made co-heirs with Christ, and we are now a part of his eternal kingdom, which will reign forever. And since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So let me ask you tonight, do we have any bold people in the house? Any bold people here saying, yeah, I have, I have hope. I have hope in Jesus that in this new way of living, I'm already made right with God. So I can be very bold. Since we're bold, we need to talk about how we should handle this boldness. First, I want to highlight this. We make bold moves. As people of God, we make bold moves. This has to do with how we live our lives. We want to make bold moves. And when it comes to living and figuring out life, everyone's trying to figure out life. They're trying to figure out life hacks to be more efficient. They're trying to figure out best practices, tips and tricks. They're reading books, learning how to get ahead. And one of the things I'll get asked sometimes, um, either as a leadership development question or as a pastor, people will ask, how do I balance my life? They'll ask, how do I balance my work life and my family life? How do I balance my church life with all the things I love to do? How do I balance? That's a question they ask. How do I balance? How do I balance? Balance. And here's my answer. You don't. Balance is a myth. I have come to believe that balance and the concept of living a balanced life is simply an excuse for not going all in for the things that God has called you to. And I'm going to explain that. 
Balance can be an excuse so often. People, people will say, you know, like, well, I, I want to be part of a church. I want to be involved, but not too involved, you know, because I've got a life. I, I want to have a good marriage, but, you know, I don't want to have to sacrifice too much. You know, my spouse should also do her part. I, I want to be a Christian for sure, but not one of those weird Christians, always so extreme about everything. I want to live a balanced life. You see, that's not what God has called us to. And I would tell you, you don't need to worry about balance in your life unless you have been called to be a tightrope walker or a figure skater or something of that nature. Otherwise, balance should not be anywhere on your list of concerns. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus called to his first disciples. He said, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. These guys were out fishing. That was their family business. They were casting nets into the sea. They'd pull the nets in and, and harvest the fish. Jesus found them out doing their job, the job that they had inherited from their fathers. They were working the family business. Jesus said to them, not, hey, guys, could we talk? Talk about how to incorporate a reasonably balanced amount of discipleship into your lives. You know, because I don't want to mess up your fishing business. He didn't say, hey, you guys, um, could I get on your schedule for some time in the next couple weeks when it's convenient? Um, maybe we could talk about the kingdom of God that I'm trying to start. You know, when it's good for you. He said, come and follow me, and they left their nets at once. They dropped what they were doing. They walked away from their family business, and they walked away from everything that they knew, everything that was safe. That was extreme. That was bold behavior. And that's really what God has called all of us to. Um, we are all called to bold living. And what you'll find is that when you begin to make bold moves in your life, you'll start to experience even greater levels of God's blessing in your life. You'll notice that none of us are reading in history books about people who change the world through balanced living. We're not watching any movies about people who lived with balanced lives. We're not celebrating any athletes who took a balanced approach to their sport. You're not going to read a biography about a person who lived a balanced life who clocked out after 40 hours and kept things in balance. The people who change the world are people who live with boldness, people who go all in, people who live to what others would call the extreme. That's who changes the world. The athlete who wins the championship practices obsessively. The explorer who discovers new territory does not go the familiar way, the safe way that other people are content to go. The scientist that discovers cures, right? They're willing to take risk and try new things. It's got to be bold. We've got to be bold. And we're not just trying to get in the history books or win a championship. We're trying to build the kingdom of God and make the name of Jesus famous and rescue lost people from hell and help them experience eternal life, which is the new life that we're all called to. This is the greatest mission we could possibly have. And it's so important to keep this in perspective. And for some people, this is going to be a challenging concept and I think that's okay. It's okay to be challenged, especially when we have scriptural basis for these kinds of conversations. You will not find a single example in the Bible of God admiring someone's balanced living. You want, I challenge you, try to find one. You will not find it. You will not find one single example of Jesus applauding someone's reasonably balanced approach. 
What he celebrated was great faith, incredible generosity, desperation. That's what God celebrates. None of us are going to get to heaven and say, you know what? I wish I had lived my life a little more balanced. We will say, I wish I had been more bold. I wish I had been more all in about the things that really matter. To truly experience new life, you have to experience the bold life. Of course, now, boldness is not an excuse for foolishness. We should just clarify that, okay? Don't tell me that you went home and drained your savings account to buy 2,000 lottery tickets because you wanted to make a bold move. That's not bold. That is foolish. We can be bold and wise. Bold and wise. But the key is this. We need to be bold about the right things in the right order. The right things in the right order. If you're bold about the right things in the right order, you can be 100% all in and passionate about everything you do. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to share the order, that, uh, uh, the right things, which we should be bold about. First, not going to be a surprise coming from a pastor, your relationship with Jesus. This should be your number one passion in life. Your relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in your life. Anything else that comes before Jesus on your priority list will be the thing that prevents you from experiencing new life. It will be the thing that prevents you from experiencing God's blessing. It will be the thing that ultimately robs you of joy. It could even be the thing that robs you from eternal life. Jesus comes first. Not your husband, not your boyfriend, not your job. Until you get that straight, nothing else in your life will work right. We could just end the message right now and all go home, and it'll be satisfactory. Jesus comes first. Amen? Here's the second thing. We need to prioritize this and be all in about our families. Your family is your second priority. Your family. God gave you your family, and whether you like it or not, you're in it. Now, within your family, there is a priority to the people that you should be most passionate about and most dedicated to. First, this is very important, church, comes your marriage. If you're married, your spouse is your number one priority within your family. All you married folks, pay very careful attention. It's not your kids. It's not your kids. It's definitely not your kids. If you place your kids first in your family, everything else in your family will fall apart. If you place your marriage first, you will then create an environment that allows you to raise truly healthy kids. So if you love your kids, if you love your kids at all, your marriage comes first. Next comes your kids, and it's good to take care of your kids and to sacrifice for your kids. That is a, an important responsibility that God has given you. Then I include in this category of family is your work. In order to provide for your family, you have to work, and if you have a job, you have to be faithful at your job and go all in after your job in order to provide for your family to the best of your ability. Here's the third thing. After your relationship with Jesus... After your family, this is where it will get challenging for some people, the next thing you should be all in and most passionate and bold about is your church. Your church. This is challenging because some people have never been passionate about any church in their entire lives. There could even be people in this room right now who are like, I'm not that passionate about this church. Like, it's all right. 
I know people, they come to church pretty frequently, but they're not really all in. They're not really bold about it. They're not passionate about it. They're just like, well, it's cheaper than the movies. <laughs> Got to do something on the weekend. Get out of the house, you know? Hey, this is not what God has designed the church for, and that's not what he has you here for. You'll never really get everything out of this life that God has for you until you are all in with your church. That's why you have to find a church you can be all in with, because you will not experience success in the first two categories unless this third category is right. Being a part of a healthy church, going all in and being really connected is what enables you and equips you to have a really successful, healthy relationship with Jesus. Because there'll be times in your life you need your church family to encourage you and instruct you and correct you and be there beside you. That's why we're here. And then your church family will come alongside you and give you the tools and help you become the kind of person that will have a healthy family. But if you don't have a healthy church, those first two categories, it's going to be so much harder to be successful in those areas. And I think here is the most important thing. Jesus was passionate about his church. It says in John chapter 2, Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scripture. Passion or zeal for God's house will consume me. This was Jesus. Passionate about God's house. Anyone here say, I want to be like Jesus? then you need to be passionate about God's house. Passionate about it. Here's the fourth thing. Your pastimes. We should be passionate about our pastimes. These are the things you do for fun, your hobbies, sports you play. Um, Whatever it is, I actually think that as a Christian, we have a responsibility to be completely passionate about these things. Not half in, half out. We don't want to play golf with mediocre results. I want you to be a good golfer. Right? And, I, and here's my scriptural basis for this, Colossians 3.23. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. That means you need to go 100% all in in everything you do. Whatever it is that you love to do for fun, just do it with the best that you are. If you like to watch Netflix, binge watch that show. If you like to work out, I want you in the gym 40 hours a week. If you like to shop, shop as unto the Lord till you drop and keep going. Whatever, travel like it's your last chance. Whatever it is that you like to do, golf your brains out. Just do it with everything that you are. That's what God has called us to, 100% bold living. The world does not need more timid Christians living mediocre lives. And if we keep making, some of us keep making these timid little moves, we're not going to get very far in life. If you live a mediocre lifestyle, you're going to have a mediocre life. And that's not the new life that Jesus died so that you could experience. And when we live that kind of life, when we just kind of go halfway in and we just do a so-so job, we just give a little bit of effort, you're not just letting yourself down. You're not just selling yourself short. But it's actually displeasing to God, especially when it comes to our spiritual status. In Revelation 3, verse 15, God says, I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And you'll find that anywhere the Bible talks about what we would call balanced living, It has negative connotations and language just like this. Being balanced. 
was what, that's what God calls lukewarm living. And he doesn't say, I'll spit you out of my mouth because he's disgusted with you. He uses this strong language to warn us against the temptation of living mediocre, half in, half out lives. He doesn't want us living one foot in, one foot out, sitting on the fence. He wants us to go all in. His goal is to always call us back towards what's right and restore us. In the same chapter, a few verses later, in verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. This is the word to anyone who is living a lukewarm life. God says, because I love you, that's us. He loves us. Because I love you, I'm willing to correct you. So here's your correction. Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. Notice that before you repent, which means turn from your ways, you must be zealous. Zeal, the word zeal in the Bible, comes from the Greek root word zeo. Zeo means to boil with heat, to become extremely hot. We need to become incredibly hot for Jesus. We need to boil with heat in everything we do. God wants you to live your life with passion, with passion, right? Jesus did not come into this world so that we could live mediocre, lukewarm lives. We need to boil over a little bit. You have to get a little bit angry. The way you become bold, you get a little angry, a little sick and tired of lukewarm, mediocre life. You say, I'm sick and tired of a mediocre marriage. I want a hot marriage. Hot, hot, hot. I don't want a lukewarm relationship with Jesus. I'm sick of that. I'm getting my act together. I don't want to have mediocre health. I want to have a healthy life. I don't want mediocre finances just barely scraping by. I want to get my act together. I'm tired. You have to get a little bit tired of it, church. You have to get a little sick of lukewarm living. That's one of the ways you turn up the temperature in your heart. You say, no, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of sitting around waiting for God to come to me. I'm gonna, he already did that once. I'm gonna chase after him. Try and stop me from running after Jesus. I'm getting everything that he has for me. I'm not gonna sit around anymore and wait for my world to change. I'm gonna step up and do something and change my world. I'm not going to sit around mad at my spouse because she doesn't meet my needs. I'm going to start to meet her needs and watch and see how she changes. It's being bold. It's heating up. And as Christians, you can actually be a person that changes the spiritual temperature of those around you. By becoming on fire for God, the people who come into contact with you will begin to change. And they'll notice your passion, your boldness. They'll be like, oh, I knew you were a Christian, but I didn't know you were a Christian. I didn't know you were serious about this. Your life will start to change other people's lives. And when we have this kind of mindset that says, I'm going to pursue God with everything that I have, I'm going to be bold. What we know is that God always responds to us when we pursue him. Charles Spurgeon said this, the moment that you set your heart towards him, he will be more eager to receive you than you are to be received. So God doesn't make us work for it and earn it. The moment we decide, I'm coming after you, Lord, he says, here I am, I've been waiting for this moment. Since we have such a hope, we're very bold. Proverbs 28.1 says, the righteous are bold as a lion. Do you know what a lion does? Whatever it wants. That's what a lion does, because he's the king of the jungle. 
We need Christians that live their lives bold as a lion. Why? Because you have every hope. We need to be, be the kind of people that walk through life with boldness in everything we do. Like, try and stop me from sharing my faith. You can't. Because the good news that I know is something that you need whether you know it or not. Right? Like, watch me. Watch me invite my coworkers to work. Try and stop me because I'm bold as a lion. I'm not coming to church to worship like a little timid kitty cat. I'm here to roar like a lion. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Some people come to church and they're like, meow, 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 right? No, like, I'm talking about you get here early and you stretch out before worship starts. You're like, here we go, here we go. I got to loosen up. I'm about to worship. I'm getting the athletic position, right? You know, like, I'm ready to do this thing. I'm going to worship with boldness because God has changed me. Try and stop me. Like, I'm going to go up to that lady in the produce aisle who's crying and share a word of encouragement with her, even though she doesn't know who I am just because I can. I'm very bold because I have hope through Jesus. This is the way that we should live, right? Just taking bold steps, making bold moves. We should be bold in generosity. I'm giving away money like it's going out of style because my father in heaven has more where that came from, right? Bold living says I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. Even when things don't look like they're falling into the right order, I'm going to trust that God will make a way. Very bold. God has called you to be very bold. It's important to understand that if we're going to make bold moves, that we need to pray bold prayers. And that's what we do as Christians. We pray bold prayers. If you want to make bold moves in your life, you've got to learn to pray bold prayers. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Remember, the new way says that you've been made righteous through Jesus. So your prayers are powerful and effective. So don't waste time praying timid prayers. Like, God, it's me. Remember me? Um, I have some things to ask you for if you're not too busy. Uh, if it's your will, could you maybe help me out with this? And, and if not, I totally understand. You know, I'm not really worthy anyway. That's a timid prayer. That's not a bold prayer. We should pray with boldness in John 4, or 14, 12. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. We need to pray a different type of prayer, a bold prayer. It changes, right? Not, not just, God, my boss is so mean to me, make him stop. That's a timid prayer. Bold prayer is like, God, I want my boss to come to church with me and get saved and become completely transformed and join the welcome team and be amazing. Like, a, a timid prayer is, is, is God, God, help me through this pain. A bold prayer is God, take the cancer out of my body so that the doctors look at me and say, we don't know what happened. They'll still bill your insurance anyway. Right? It's a bold prayer. It's a bold prayer, right? Like, man, not just that the government would get off my back, but that God would give our church influence and leadership within the government, that we would have favor with the school districts, not just survive, but thrive in our community and actually change the fabric of our city. It's bold prayers. Don't wait until your life is on the line to get your first experience with praying bold prayers. You can live this way every day. It's not for emergencies only. 
Right? Some people think bold prayers are behind the glass, break in case of emergency. Okay, God, I really need you now. We can pray bold prayers every single day. Matthew 21, 21, Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. Jesus was challenging the faith of his disciples. And he actually called them out and he said at one point, you don't have enough faith. And this is in scripture so that we can read it and be challenged. Do I have enough faith? The answer for us sometimes is no, I do not have enough faith. I'll tell you sometimes I don't have enough faith. Fortunately, the disciples, they also said, Lord, increase our faith. You're right, I don't have enough, so please help me to have more. And when you ask God for more faith, he'll give you more. So scripture actually is confronting our temptation to just pray timid prayers, that we should step out in faith and pray bold prayers. It's not that we know what God is going to do. We can't even change his will. But our faith is not in the outcome. It's in the fact that he is able. I'm praying, God, I know you're able to heal. I know you're able to restore. I know you're able to change. I know you're able to raise the dead. God is able to give the blind sight and allow the deaf to hear and the lame to walk. He's able. He's able. In every situation, he's the answer, and he's able. I'm not just praying little prayers. I don't want to just see 500 more people saved at Generation Church. I want to see 500,000 more people because he's able. I want to pray bold prayers like this, breakthrough prayers. Like, God, I don't want to be an addict anymore. I want all kinds of people walking around Generation Church talking about how they used to be an addict. I want was an alcoholic. I was a porn addict. I was a drug addict, but I've been changed. That was the old way. This is the new way. I'm a different person now. I used to have no hope. Now I have hope. I've been set free. I've been changed. Jesus died so you could be set free, but he rose again so you could be bold. So pray bold prayers. This is what God has called us to. And I think that over this next season, it's a time for our church to come together and pray bold prayers. And I, I want to give you a little bit of instruction. One of the ways that you can do that is through the practice of spiritual discipline called fasting. Fasting is something that our church is going to be doing together over the next several weeks. Uh, fasting involves sacrifice in order to enhance my focus on God. You'll notice that throughout Scripture, God always responds most passionately to the sacrifice of man. When in the Old Testament times, men worshiped God. All of their worship involved literal sacrifice. In New Testament times, you see Jesus applauding the generosity of people when they gave sacrificially. Jesus loves, God loves sacrificial worship, not just lip service. That's why he responds with so much blessing when we give, because giving is always a sacrifice. It always costs you something. He loves passionate, sacrificial worship. He loves it when you burn 500 calories during the praise and worship time, singing with, your, with all your heart. That's a sacrifice. So fasting is a way to add sacrifice to our prayer. It's saying, God, I'm going to give something up to increase my focus on you. Biblically, fasting usually involves giving up food. Food for either uh, one meal or one day or multiple days or even weeks. Or maybe not all food, but some foods. Maybe some of your favorite foods. If you come to this church um, for any amount of time, you know that I love food probably too much. 
I love the meats and I love the sweets. And so I'm fasting both those things for the next few weeks in order to increase my awareness of what God is doing. I want to invite you to pray about how God might lead you to experience fasting. Jesus did not say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. When you fast. It's a practice for all of us, and it's something that will help you in your spiritual walk. It's not something that you should just do to feel good about yourself. It's not something you do to brag about. It's something you do to show the Lord, I'm coming all in after you. I want to go after everything that you have for me. Biblically, there are some good reasons to fast at some key times in your life. Um, One reason you might see is when you need to make an important decision in your life, it could be a great time to fast. In the book of Acts, when the disciples are choosing new elders for the church, they fasted and prayed. And the reason that this is helpful is because our world can be so overstimulating. There is so much noise in our world through television and social media, and even foods can sometimes numb us spiritually if we go to food for comfort, um, which I know I have. Uh, So when we fast, we're saying, I'm going to desensitize myself, or I'm going to rather increase my sensitivity to what God is doing and saying in my life by denying myself and separating myself from some of the other noise. And that can be a great way to become more aware of what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. So if you have an important decision in your life, that could be a good reason to fast. Also to break through strongholds of the enemy. We have a real enemy. Uh, The Bible calls him the devil, Satan. Uh, There are demons. There's a real spiritual warfare going on. And sometimes people get caught up in the strongholds, the traps that the enemy will set to trip them up. One of the ways you can experience breakthrough um, spiritually, even in your life or in your family's life, is through fasting. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 21, But this kind of demon is cast out only through prayer and fasting. Something about fasting enhances the power of our prayers. And the Bible talks about fasting in many, many places. But I think about this passage, which says, hey, I can somehow enhance the power of my prayers. They can become even more effective when I fast. It's not that I become spiritually more powerful, but I become spiritually more in tune with God, who is all-powerful. And and so maybe you'd be wondering, like, well, do I really need to fast for my prayers to be most powerful? Here's the way I look at it. If fasting makes your prayers more powerful and you don't do it, you might miss out on powerful prayers. If fasting isn't really necessary to make your, your prayers more powerful and you do it anyway, the only thing you have to lose is a few pounds. So this time of the year is pretty much a win win, right? I'm gonna invite you just to join in. And fast. Oh, here's another good time to fast when you're preparing for a new season in life. Maybe you're starting a new job or you're moving or you just feel like God is doing something new in your life. For our church, I feel like God wants to do something new in 2019. I believe in your life, he wants to do something new and even greater. You see through Jesus, Matthew 4, verse 2, that at the beginning of his ministry, it says, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Jesus Christ, all-knowing, the Son of God, says, okay, before I start my ministry, I'm going to take some time to pray and fast. If it was good enough for him, it's probably good enough for us. It can be helpful to grow in self-control and in the process of resisting temptation. 
During that time, while Jesus was fasting, it says in verse three, the devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was out in the wilderness and he was hungry. He was hangry even. And the devil tempted him and said, turn these stones into bread. I would have done it. But Jesus said, no, he was fasting and he had the spiritual strength to resist temptation. And you'll find that as you deny your fleshly cravings, it will enhance your spiritual cravings for good things of God. And when you deny yourself, like let's say you deny yourself uh, from food for a season to increase your time of prayer and Bible reading, you might become physically weak, but in that moment, you'll also become spiritually strong. God will use this time in a powerful way. So I'm gonna invite you into this. It's been a part of the church as long as there's been a church. One of the early church leaders in just the first few hundred years of Christianity, he said this, St. Augustine, by the help of the merciful Lord our God, the temptations of this world, the snares of the devil, the suffering of the world, the enticement of the flesh, the surging waves of troubled times, and all spiritual adversities are to be overcome by fasting and prayer. So this could be a really beneficial practice for you. I'm gonna email out resources to our church about how to fast and different ways you might do it. You could research that on your own as well, of course. Hey, listen, in 2019, let's decide that we are going to be intentional about bold living and bold prayers. Say, I'm not gonna live a mediocre lifestyle. If you've been living lukewarm spiritually, decide right now, those days are over. I'm sick of that. I'm righteously angry. The temperature of my heart is going up right now, and as I'm thinking about this, I'm ready to be on fire for God. I'm gonna go all in. I want everything that he has. I know that that's the new life that Jesus wants me to experience. If you want it, man, he'll give it to you. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, aren't we? Let's bow our heads and pray. God, I just pray that for anyone who's here tonight, that you give them this boldness that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the new life we've received through Jesus. Thank you that you're always beside us, you're always with us, and because of that, we don't have to fear. We can be confident, we can be very bold. Lord, thank you that we can come into your presence with righteousness, knowing that you accept us, you have adopted us into your family, and there is no revoking that status. And Lord, I pray for anyone that might be here who has not made the most important, the most bold move of surrendering his or her life to you. God, I pray that we would open our hearts up to you right now and that if there's anyone here who needs to accept Jesus as his or her Lord and Savior, that they would do that right now. Um, if you're here and you're ready to take that step of faith, I just wanna lead you in a prayer. If you say, I want Jesus, I wanna be all in with God, I wanna be forgiven of my sins, and I wanna be adopted into God's family, then just pray this prayer with me. Just say, God, I need you. I know that I've sinned and I've fallen short of your standard. I know that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sin so I could be forgiven. I believe that he rose again so that I could have eternal life and experience new life. Lord, help me to follow you from this day forward. Help me to live my life with boldness and passion for you and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.